Hello, and thanks for listening to another episode of Trilove. Please note that in today's episode about Redbeard, we discuss scenes in which a traumatized woman verbally recounts her history of sexual abuse to another character. If you'd like to learn more about support and advocacy for survivors of sexual abuse, visit RAIN.org, that is R-A-I-N-N.org, or call their hotline at 1-800-656-4673. Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So, once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. My eyebrows. Can I get those on? Uh, what are we going to say about Redbeard? I <laughs> literally no idea what I'm going to say. Thank about you for Redbeard. listening to Try Love. I'm Jason. I'm Cody. I'm Harry. I'm Aaron. That is Cody Narvison. I think this is one of the few episodes you've been on so Third, far. Third, maybe? Fourth? fourth? I think it's my fourth. It's your fourth episode? Yeah. I just released Cody. so few of these. Thank you. That's forgotten. as many as John. So you are now a regular Sorry, cast member. Sorry, bud. John couldn't be here today. Uh, nor could Emily, uh, unfortunately. You didn't but, need to mention either of those. Oh, well. I There's mean, no expectation. <laughs> they're dead to us now. Yep. They could have been on the podcast, but they couldn't make it. So. Shout All out right. to the people who saw the movie with us. Yeah. Who couldn't make it today. We I saw was, Redbeard. Yeah, we did. I was going to ask how your showing was because I want a different time than you guys. That's it was true. really good. It was not super packed. No, it wasn't. Not super compared packed. to Hidden Fortress, it wasn't a super which we packed. saw. Uh, yeah, or later. Yeah, this is maybe not one of uh, Kurosawa's more popular films. I, I think it's that, regarded very well. That three-hour yeah, runtime has got to scare off a lot of people. I, I bought my so. ticket before I checked the runtime, and then somebody mentioned in the chat. Oh that yeah, that was three me. hours. That was I always have an eye on the runtime. And it was always. It was a little Gotta intimidating. Plan the bladder movements and, yep, and things and all like the coffee. That. Yeah, it you is don't though. There's an intermission. In the yeah, which was news yeah. to me. It, that was awesome. Less like the middle, more like two thirds. Like there's only an hour left of that movie yeah, by the it, time that the intermission rolls around. It is almost exactly two hours into the movie. Um, also, uh, I just want to give a shout out to the Trilon for letting, for just kindly ignoring every time I bring a mug of coffee into the theater. <laughs> I'm not says, cool with it. We it asked. says well. Are they? No, yeah, no, it no. Says no. I asked specifically, drinks. I had emailed, because we were doing a, a double showing there, and for the second film, uh, before I went into the first movie, I emailed the guy, hey, do you mind if I bring in Peace Coffee? I emailed, like, info at Trilon or whatever, and um, and then I turned my phone on before the second movie, and he'd email me back, like, five minutes after I emailed, and wow. it's like, it's like the owner emailed me and was like, yeah, we don't care about that. But that was Peace <laughs> Barry, Coffee, yeah, which is right. attached to the Trilon. I yeah. don't know about your mug of Starbucks. I mean, most of the time, if the if Peace is still open, I'll go by and just have him fill it, so yeah. I consider It's good that. coffee. Peace yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Shout coffee. out to Peace Coffee. Yeah. yeah. We're the Peace Cast now. I mean, for the record, I'm not cool with it. Those are volunteers, Jason. You're a monster. <laughs> they don't sell coffee. And coffee during a movie is like my, my favorite. I don't know why more theaters. I mean, it's a theaters good have coffee, but like I don't see people drinking coffee in a movie theater, and I really like it. Yeah. There's something very stimulating about it. It's nice. Yeah. Wait, did coffee. you infer that I did that I don't pay for the coffee? No, I mean, you pay somebody for the coffee, but you don't pay the Trilon for the coffee. They don't sell the coffee. Right. 
and they don't allow. I went to Burger King and they wouldn't sell me a Frosty. Therefore, like it's a problem that I bought the Frosty but, from. But the Trilon. No, no, the problem is not that you're buying the coffee; it's that you're bringing it into the Trilon, even though they oh. say no outside. They have drink. caffeine alternatives. You know what I mean? Like they are not providing coffee, but they are providing sure. similar services that like you were substituting mates. coffee. No, I was going to say like a Coca-Cola. I don't actually have strong opinions about this. I was just <laughs> just podcasting it up. Uh, so Redbeard, Akira Kurosawa, Redbeard. 1965. Uh, Harry, or not Harry, Aaron Heron has uh, put together a summary for oh, us. So no. we can try and stay on track. Did you, you actually do it? Yeah, I did put together a summary, but I thought you were going to just like mention, just Aaron, what's this movie about? And it was going to be more natural. No, I, now, now if it's shit, it's like Aaron wrote a shitty we're summary. We're very segment. quiet and listen to you read this prepared statement. <laughs> but <laughs> Without I, flaw this is Aaron's error. State of the Union. Beforehand, people were going to think, wow, Aaron is very articulate. He knows this movie very well. Now it's going to be, wow. Aaron wrote Let's down a thing. It, it actually kind of sucks. You didn't even write it down. You typed it out like a loser. I did type it yeah. out. That's right. Hit it. So, uh, Aaron, what the, is this movie about? The film follows the journeys of uh, Dr. Noboru Yasumoto, who's played by uh, Yuzo Kayama. Uh, he is a doctor assigned to a rural medical clinic uh, after having studied at a Dutch medical school in Nagasaki. Um, the clinic is uh, its a rural medical clinic. It is led by a kind of older, wiser... Savior. Taciturn. Yeah, taciturn. Uh, wow, good word. A, a grumpy yet wise beyond his years uh, doctor by the name of Redbeard, who is and he has a lot of years, so that makes him very wise. He is. He's very old and very wise. He's, he's not a, that old. He's like medium old. He's, he's maybe like <laughs> he's a in his sixties, probably 50, 60, Yeah, he's medium old. His beard's still red. His beard is still red. It has not turned. A different color. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. He's not white beard. He's not Gandalf. White beard would be a good sequel for this film. It's not a bad sequel. Yeah. Uh, but that is uh, character is played by uh, Toshiro Mifune. This is the last of 16 uh, collaborations between Kurosawa Correct. and Mifune. Um, generally making up, uh, I think, Kurosawa's more well-known, famous films. Um, he, he does very well in this movie. Uh, so Yasumoto's uh, goal is eventually to achieve the status of physician of the shogunate. Um, he has family ties to that role, and he's basically going to kind of work his way up to this pretty comfortable, uh, you know, high-status position. That is his goal. He's a young, arrogant, um, Highly privileged, uh, rich kid. Yes, he is a highly privileged, rich kid who kind of is using his connections to work his way up. Um, he is very intelligent, but he is maybe not, you know, street smart. He does not kind of have the emotional intelligence um, Life that experience, a role. Yeah. Yes. He, he had like sort of a, a golden path set for him, uh, a destiny that he, he I think it's it seems like he thought was unavoidable. Sort mm-hmm. of like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to like, I think his dad specifically was the Shogunate's doctor. Yeah. Uh, yeah yes, um, I believe so. And yeah. he sort of assumed his whole life that he would assume that role mm-hmm. uh, eventually. And so the, the movie meets him after that, that path has been sort of taken from him by outside life. And it, it uses the term path, like, very, it uses the term path in the film, like, very directly. Uh, right. This is a person who had a, uh, a privileged path laid out for them, and that, uh, that path has been deferred. Trust fund baby. Yeah, he's absolutely. Um, 100% that. Um, yeah, this movie has uh, a really fascinating class politic. Um, it's, like, one, one very explicitly involved with... Uh, class dynamics. There's one speech in particular that we can get yeah. into later that really yeah. just still resonates. So just uh, very quickly, so essentially, you know, the movie is about three hours. The first two-thirds of this movie, uh, there's an intermission. Uh, the first two-thirds of this movie before the intermission are uh, mainly a series of vignettes about different patients at the hospital who are sick or in the midst of passing away and, you know, kind of teaching um, 
not just uh, you know the main character, but also Redbeard about life and about death and about family, you know, different thematic topics. Um, and then the last third of the movie uh, is um, kind of concerned with the main story of a, uh, uh, I guess, a, ver- a very young woman who was working at a brothel who uh, the main character kind of helps and takes under his wing and, and kind of helps her. Um, um, that character is named Atoyo, and she's played by Tarumi Nikki. Yeah. Nikki. Very good, very good role in this movie. Well, yeah, for I sure. Think. Um, so that's kind of a general summary. A lot happens in this movie. It is kind of a, a series of different stories. I guess where yeah. do you guys want to start? Um, uh, I, I think that's a good place to start. Sure. I mean, it, like, was, it was based upon a series of short stories. Yeah, a mm-hmm. short story is called the Akihige Shinryoten. Um, I didn't write down who wrote it. Sorry about that. Um, and then also the the brothel subplot was based on um, Dostoevsky's. Dostoevsky's um, I have it in here. It's Dostoevsky's uh, Humiliated and Insulted, right. uh, which is not uh, Dostoevsky that I've read. Um, uh, neither have I. Uh, I think that um, I know that Kurosawa has been inspired by Dostoevsky yeah. before. I think another one of his movies is based on The Idiot. Uh, yes, I, just, I don't know which one. But yeah, that, sorry, yes. I'm not. You are right about well that. Research now. But this whole movie had a very Dostoevsky vibe to me. Very um, classic literature in general. Yeah, um, uh, especially the first scene, which is a scene that I um, feel really strongly about. I liked it a whole lot. Let's go it's, into it. Let's yeah, go. it's it's where um, um, Noburo the rich kid, the rich doctor, he's being introduced to this clinic for the first time, and I think, um, is it Osugi is the guy who's guiding him through Who's it? Who's leaving or? the, do- yeah. the outgoing I doctor? I forget his name. I think that may have been Sugawa. I think it is Sugawa, yeah. yeah. He's, he's an outgoing doctor who's sort of training in his replacement, so to speak, in Noburo, and he's really excited to get the hell out of there. He mentions that many times. Many times. Like, I'm so glad you're here so I can leave. Uh, he establishes quickly that this clinic is like a purgatory or like a hell like mm-hmm. these are destitute people like lying around in rooms they're very sick they're just waiting uh, to sad. die mm-hmm. basically a lot of them literally waiting mm-hmm. to die that's uh that ends up being Noburo's first assignment is just to watch a guy die basically um and it it establishes the tone that Kurosawa is going for so well so early where like there's this this deeply cynical uh narrator sort of guide character um, who who really sort of like gives you the mentality that you're supposed to go into the movie with, and uh, it it creates this great presence for Doctor Nide, who is Redbeard to Shiro Mefune, where like you don't see him any time in this first scene until the end when when they're introduced, but his presence like hangs over this place, and he's like the the overseer of this hell basically, mm-hmm. um, which which is subverted of course, but yeah, yeah. It, it very clearly lays out like rules and expectations at this hospital um you know the different wings okay we don't do this here we always wear our uniforms here it, it is run it is a tight ship that redbeard is running and yeah. it sets that up very it, uh, it's another entry in the kurosawa's great use of space where like i i think in in uh especially in yojimbo and in sanjuro as well which we had talked about um Kurosawa creates these contained locations wherein, like, all of the action takes place, and he does such a good job of using that space, that physicality. I think uh, he actually built the village around the clinic in this movie, Mm. Um, and so that's the other purpose of this opening scene is that we really see every space one by one, and he built in a narrative device for that, which is he's literally touring the space. There's always that uh, element of, like, there's a contained space... And there's the action that's going on within it, like you said. But then there's always a way to expand the space just very naturally, like sliding open a door. Or like, I think it was in Yojimbo, 
in which the barkeep has those windows that just yeah. slide up. Yep. Love the windows. Uh, to like show you basically a 360. Why does he have a 360 degree view of the entire village? Because it's rad. Because it's awesome, but it doesn't feel unnatural as it goes. So I, I, I concur. That's a really great opening scene in the same way that Yojimbo's like expository scene. It's pretty long, too. I want to say it's, it's very long. Yeah. 10, 15 I think minutes. In general, this movie uh, really takes its time with its scenes, mm-hmm. which is part of why the runtime is so long. Um, but, but yeah, especially compared to, um, and maybe this is me talking on my ass, but like compared to like a contemporary sensibility, I felt like these scenes really had like breathing room mm-hmm. um, where we really sit, especially like some of the scenes where the characters are dying, where like we just watch a dude die for like a long time. Yep. Yeah. Um, which is great because like it's impactful on us the same way it's impactful on Noburo where like he can barely watch this. He has to leave. And it's, it creates that tension. I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but it's, it creates that tension of the character is, is it Noburo, the main, like, yes. the main character more or less, uh, who is, incredibly opposed to every way that to the whole way that Redbeard is doing things and he thinks what, he knows better he says that explicitly at one point right. I know medicine better than he this guy he doesn't think he belongs there he's very opposed to being there at all including helping people uh, and that goes on for way longer than you might expect in a movie like this where clearly the point is going to be that he comes around that he's you know develops empathy that he becomes a human kind of thing and it just holds on to that character for such a long time he's shitty at dinner he's like I'm not going to eat the food I'm not going to do anything I'm he just going to be he explicitly sets out to do the opposite of whatever he's told yeah. to just defy Redbeard and mm-hmm. whatever Redbeard asks him to do he never wears his doctor uniform that's a great visual metaphor because of, of course eventually he does put on the, the uniform and then that sort of symbolizes his turn yeah yeah it was about like halfway through the movie, I think. A little bit. It was take, way longer. A little bit than later. Long, yeah, long like, time before given, he finally puts those robes on. Given the outs, like the plot summary of this film and sort of the story of it, you would think that those things would happen a lot sooner. But like Harry said, it's uh, it takes its time. It really develops those things. It makes those moments meaningful. Like when he watches the guy die, and s- that's not even the point at which he puts on his. No, no. He to be a doctor. It's no, like when another person dies before later. him, he decides. Sahachi? It, that's Sahachi, right? Yeah, yep, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, sort like, of the centerpiece. Like Aaron yeah. mentioned, there are, yeah, there are several vignettes. Um, these vignettes are sort of framed as the stories of basically dying patients. Um, and it's after one of the, the second, I believe, vignette that he puts on the doctor's uniform. Mm-hmm. Right, because Sahachi in an earlier scene, like he's uh, like a, a patient, a side character who's been very well built up at this point um he's very well beloved by his community by mm-hmm. a lot of the other patients he's like a really hard worker and he yeah. works puts in a lot of work for everybody and that's kind of the first interaction that um that he has with uh Yasumoto um where he says she's like you should really put on your your work clothes basically because you will serve as a beacon for those who need help and he right. finds that and this this is a guy with nothing who's living at the clinic and he's sick and he still he works mm-hmm. he works himself sicker so yes. that he can take care of other patients yeah. and this is an it's an interesting unusual hospital in that like First of all, the the patients sort of have free run of the place, and they seem to be just living there. A lot of the people are literally just living out their last days there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there's there's sort of a community, and we get to know a lot of those characters. Um, there is a there is a theme of um, the, the damage that one does to themselves by helping out others in this movie. Um, you know, that is that, Sahachi, that right? Yeah, that character gets sick because he is working so hard. He is trying to help other people. Same thing happens to the main character later in the movie. He gets sick because he is around sick people. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it is kind of this theme of, of helping other people, but it kind of taking something from you at the same time. Which makes um, that line about how putting on the doctor's uh, outfit and being a beacon of hope a little bit tragic because it's like 
Absolutely. You're not a god once you put on the like just because you wear the clothes that make you look like a healer, right? I, I want to talk. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about that as well as the the idea of him kind of hoarding. Um, there's this this subplot. It's not even a subplot. There's this little bit that's mentioned a few times where because he was trained uh, at this Dutch school in Nagasaki, he has all this medical information that Redbeard actually doesn't have. Um, I think you mentioned this earlier, but there it's is like a scene. His, it's like his doctoral thesis, basically. Yeah. He has like a lot of very large um, journal with, right. with writings in it. Um, and, and he does say at some point to a character, you know, actually, I'm, I actually know more about this specific subject than even Redbeard, um, which, which like, is probably bullshit, right? Maybe, but, like, we're given no reason to think it's not true. I mean, it, for all we know, it could be. Right? He was well-schooled. He right? may have right. more he's knowledge. He's not able to kind of execute all Oh, of course it, not. Like, yeah. uh, that's, no that's immediately apparent, right? Where, like, he can't watch this man die, whereas Redbeard has been here in, mm-hmm. the, in the trenches, so to speak. Like, this is his clinic. He's holding on to it desperately. Um, it is definitely an archetype thing, like you said, Aaron, where, like, like, Redbeard literally sort of takes on the pain of these yeah. people, yes. and like he's he's like a, a um, sort of martyr like figure. Or I think he would probably fight back against that, uh, but that's hmm. a weird thing to say. He would, but uh, but that's sort of the idea is that like like what being a doctor is isn't just treating; it's also like like um, acting as as like a receiver of of I, maladies. Sort of mm-hmm. is that true? In real life, aren't doctors kind of supposed to be a little bit compassionate? You know what I mean? Like, you gotta aren't there dangers manner? in becoming I mean, emotionally invested in your patients to a certain Did you mean extent? discompassionate? Or? Discompassionate, oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I, probably. Yeah, I, I kind of thought about that. Um, it was interesting because there is a scene regarding the uniform. There is a scene later on in the film where uh, the main character does decide to... Um, wear the robes and is walking out in public and a woman actually notices him because of his robes and runs up to him with her baby and says, my baby's sick, where can I get help? Uh, and he points her in the direction of the clinic and he kind of looks down at his robes and he kind of, for the first time, understands like what it means. This is a symbol of, of yeah. the help that I offer others in society. Yeah. Isn't that uh, like literally the first time he goes out in, his, yes. in yes. his actual uniform? Yeah. Yes. I, thought, I just thought that was like not intentionally comedic, but at the same time, clearly like well, it's what would happen, I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean, he yeah. does give a they literal look down at his robes. And I mean, like, you, wow, you might be right. But like, <laughs> like, obviously, Doctor here is, is sort of a stand-in for a symbol, right? Like, yes, of course. Especially with the, the harsh uh, class stratification that this movie enjoys, where, like, uh, like when Yatsumoto uh, Noburo, the main character, first arrives here, he doesn't even want to think about these people. Like, they don't exist to mm-hmm. him. Like, this is a world that he has no belonging in that he wasn't supposed to be a part of and like there's this there's this real sense in which it's like he he wants to be gone from this place so he never has to think about it again um which which is where that speech comes from right mm-hmm. that uh redbeard has a really great speech that uh you brought up jason i i have it literally in my browser right oh, now awesome. i don't know if we need to bring it up like read it could you it could is. you edit it in here Edited. You mean the audio of it? Yeah, I, I know. I'm just asking you to edit in some shit. That would be that would be. I, can, I, I will Great do that. Podcast we'll that Yeah. Hey man, can you just do all this extra work and give me a mark so I know where to put it? Mark. Mark. Fuck you both. How does, that, how does that work? Well, I don't know. I don't, I, quiet. Like, it was supposed oh, to be quiet. Oh, okay. That was I enough quiet though. That was. I've only been on four of these things. That's true. Mark Fair. Um, I, I would also like to hear Jason read that personally. I yeah, think, me too. I, I think that would be awesome. Wait, guys, this movie's in fucking Japanese. How are we supposed to put the audio in? It'll be oh, fun. It'll be me. Really oh my god! I can do the PBS thing where I like fade him out slowly and then speak over, but his Whoa. voice is still going. The like BBC Gundam. I'm reading a letter from my 
like loved one, and slowly my <laughs> voice becomes. The yeah. I don't know why go. I said Gundam. Yeah. Everybody does every that, single piece of fiction's yeah. done. That. I can't believe I just suggested like a big editing thing. You do it's not even possible. You lost like, yourself. It's totally in, bullshit. In well, if we have Japanese listeners. We'll do that. That sounds yeah, fun. Uh, yeah. Of our five listeners, one of them is a Japanese speaker. What you're hearing right now is an audio of that scene, but it is audio from Redbeard, just to be clear. Redbeard is talking to his apprentice and says, poverty is a political problem, they say. But what has politics ever done for the poor? Has a law been passed to get rid of poverty and ignorance? Yasumoto, his protege, says, but this place, government funds... And Redbeard replies, better this than nothing. The problem is deeper than that. If it weren't for poverty, half of these people wouldn't be sick. There is always some story of great misfortune behind illness. Yeah, so we're kicking it back off. Um, oh, the just speech. basically, like, like yeah. the, the humanism of this movie is about how the, like, I think at least... And maybe I'm wrong, but like a big theme that I took away from the the stories, the vignettes, is that like these these untouchables, so to speak, that occupy this lower caste, they have led valid and and true lives full of like pain and tragedy, and those lives are worth caring for and worth preserving and yeah. worth learning from. Like a big a big thing about this movie is uh, Noboru's learning process, right? Where like he goes to this clinic unwilling to learn and as he opens himself he changes for the better because of the people he contacts. Where like he legitimately learns from Redbeard and from all of his patients um, and as he learns he's able to help them as well. Um, and so it's it's about how you you sort of like how how a certain mentality towards the people that you encounter can make you a better person right mm-hmm. like uh, about uh fundamentally respecting who they are and the lives that they've led and and how how those lives are are worthwhile yeah is the sort of straight up humanism pitch of this uh movie i think i think that is that's also kind of held up as a uh, one of the reasons that maybe Redbeard is such a good doctor. Um, there's a scene, I think it's it's very good later on in the movie, where they visit a very rich uh, client of his. I don't think it meant, maybe it mentions what the title of this person is. It's some sort of lord. I can't remember his, his title, but he, yeah. But, you know, after the speech earlier in the movie talking about uh, social injustice and um, kind of this confusion at the way that society is set up where you know, people are sick and some people don't have enough. Um, the way that this kind of rich uh, person is portrayed is, you know, extremely overweight, uh, eating. Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, Mufune's character specifically says you've never lifted anything heavier than chopsticks. Which, yeah, I mean, like, it's a little bit fatphobic, obviously. But, sure. But, like, because, like, in so many movies, uh, obesity is used as a sort of metaphor for excess. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, which is, you know, not great. Uh, in this movie or in any other movies, but but basically the the visual metaphor we're meant to take away is that this dude is is pathetic, right? Like he he can he can barely um, move. He he eats all day and like without any sort of he's um, like despairing at the thought of eating like not eating rice. You know right. I mean? He's like, okay, you need to limit the amount of rice that you're eating. And he's like kind of whimpering, you know, mm-hmm. in the corner a little bit. Um, and, and on the way out, uh, he receives his payment. Uh, Redbeard goes to, I guess the character's accountant right. and has a conversation where the accountant basically says, you know, uh, you know, would you say you're a, a good doctor or a bad doctor? And he says, oh, I guess I'm a good doctor. And he says, you know, I've heard that, uh, you kind of get the same service from good and bad doctors that it kind of doesn't matter. 
um, you know, a doctor is a doctor. He, he even he even like has like this weird philosophical approach to it, where he's yeah. like, if people are gonna die, they're gonna die. And so, like doctors, what do they really do in the end? Like, <laughs> Which he is literally some shit says logic, that shit. Right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. That guy was a jackass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that's kind of a you know I think the movie does make the point that Redbeard is a good doctor because he cares about his patients. He's not just fulfilling his role in society; mm-hmm. he is doing it with a passion uh, for the people that he works for. Yeah, it's also it's an interesting and maybe this is uh, the movie is an imperfect example of this, I guess. But like, there's also some really good direct action shit here, where like uh, um, Redbeard doesn't just treat people he's also an active advocate for them like he extorts and blackmails on behalf of he's like a robin hood honestly he's totally a robin hood for sure he's a robin hood-esque character uh i can't remember exactly who but like uh there's a robin hood-esque or robin hood ass i thought you're like this is a robin hood ass character what do you think he said (laughs) um it's i mean one one is the other right Uh, but um at one point he extorts uh, a lord who is having an extramarital affair um, in order to get, what is it, funding for the clinic, is it? Or is it to keep the doors open? Or Yeah, I believe it is just... No, it's for, that, yeah, it's they for were the female character. It's to help out that That's right. uh, yep. female character. Specifically, right. Uh, I can't remember all the specifics of that situation. They rescue her from a brothel, right? Or is that a different character? No, it's the female character who was the wife, I believe, of the man That's who right. dies. Yep. Um, that, that is a very complex... No, his daughter. That is his daughter. It's a very complex scene. It's it's about fifteen minutes of exposition. That's, that's the first man who's dying. Um, Roksuke? Is that the first that man? That sounds name? right. Okay. Okay, yeah. cool, thank you. Um yeah, he you're right, that's a complicated family situation. Um he helps her out by basically leveraging uh kind of some inside information he has on a, a local politician to kind of help her out and he does that a couple times uh, throughout the movie. I did really like um, the scene with, it was Roksuke's daughter, right? Or, or is it, I, I guess I was unclear. I believe so, yep. daughter, yes. Yeah, where she has this really um, really sad and really great monologue. Um, There's like five to ten minutes of just her talking about like the situation that led her to the floor in front of Redbeard. Um, and just like a great early example of... Uh, Redbeard and doctors in general taking on more than maybe their fair share of pain. Mm-hmm. And then just like Redbeard's first words, um, I'm just going to keep calling him Redbeard. Uh, That's obviously. fine. <laughs> His first words uh, were basically to affirm to this woman that like this man did not have any pain in his final moments. And that was, Which was a lie. Right, exactly. And there's a great uh, shot of Yasumoto just, like, darting his eyes at him. And then there's, gasping. There's, oh, a, there's that great because uh, insert of Roksuke, like, just this black, this in the shadows, kind of close-up of him breathing his last breaths. Those yeah, redly... Incredibly pained-looking. Uh, th- yeah. Because some... Yasumoto watched him die. Just... Yes. Yes. Uh, that, was his, that was his first assignment, and he couldn't do it, and that was a big sea change for him. That, like, pain, oh, yeah. like I, again, it's sort of a classical idea, right? But it's like all of my learning, uh, you know, the map doesn't match the terrain. Like mm-hmm. it did not prepare me for this. And right. like maybe I yeah. can learn something from this guy because he's been doing this shit. We yeah. should we should talk about that scene specifically because that that maybe was my favorite scene in the movie. Um, it, it remind, have you guys seen him more? Yes. Um, yeah. It reminded right. me quite a lot of, of that totally. movie. Um, that movie's incredible. Now that you mentioned that watch. movie, just two hours of a man dying? Uh, a How woman dying. Yeah, yeah. But, Basically. but yeah, it, it is. Ouch. It's about a woman who is some sort of degenerative disease and slowly passes away. Yeah. Yeah. Manuel Riva, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she won Best Actress. She, she was nominated. Yeah. Or, wait, oh, wait, did she, she not win? win? 
I th- oh shit! Did I'm she gonna win? set shit on fire. She didn't win for that because yeah, that dude, is she, like one of the both leads in that movie. Yeah, um, but yeah, she especially was amazing. Who directed that film? Uh, Funny games. Hanukkah. Uh, yeah, really? Hanukkah. Yeah. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, that movie is quite good. And so th- this scene is, you know, the character is dying, and um, you know, the main character is his assignment is basically just to watch him uh, and just make sure that he has everything he needs. Mm-hmm. And the man is kind of lying on the ground horizontally, and he's he's he keeps gasping for air every few seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, he can't look any longer, and he, he's kind of in the corner. But he also cannot help but look at the same time. Mm-hmm. He's like looking over his shoulder at the man as yeah. he's passing away. Um, we get, we, yeah, we get the sense that uh, Yasumoto's idea of humanity is like fundamentally changing. It's like yes. it's really impactful. Like you, you can see it. Uh, he does a really, um, the guy Yuzo Kayama does a really good job of acting that scene too. As yeah. does the yes. dying guy. But like, yeah. yeah, you definitely see like something about like this experience is like really changing the way he's thinking about the it, people. It's hitting the him. wall of like here are the limits of what your education has taught mm-hmm. you, and and here here is what this actually means when it's applied. Um, it's it's rough, man. It's that, really rough. That scene sticks with me because, like you said, he's literally just aghast in horror. He hides in the corner. He like ducks in the corner to not have to look or hear to look at or hear this guy dying on the floor in front of him. Even though that's the only thing he has to do. Right. Well, it's I mean, like a dog trying tough. to hide from it a thunderstorm. You ever watched a man really die? Vivid. I have. One other thing, it, it might be more plot than narrative centric, but like during that scene, is it Rokusuke, the guy who's dying? The dying, um, uh, her father. Yeah, he is gasping for breath in these really like rattly, uh, staggered breaths, uh, and Redbeard opens the window to this room, and he's. It was a good try, but I still heard it. <laughs> I didn't want to make a big noise with my coffee. Sorry. And he opens the window, and it seems like Rokusuke's breathing gets a little easier. He's still in a bad way. He's not cured, but it gets a little easier. And then as Redbeard leaves, he closes the window. It's like, and then he starts rattling breath mm-hmm. again. Was that intentional? Is he like, he's basically sentencing him to death, or? Oh, I don't remember It's a good that. question. I, I can't remember the exact um, dialogue here. But it was him opening the windows was sort of paired with him saying something along the lines of people who come through, we're going to do we're basically we're going to do everything we can for them. But like, you know, that's that. Um, And I think he definitely had a good sense that this man was very close to dying on just knowing. Right. So kind of weighing, okay, opening the windows will certainly help. But also like we're just kind of belaboring the inevitable at this point. That's what I assumed about that scene. They don't make it obvious. Like there are no musical cues of like, uh, you know, glissando cello. That's like, it's his fate sealed or whatever. But then it lets you like stew in that scene with Yoksuge and uh, no. I'm forgetting the main character's name uh, with Rokusuke and the doctor who Yasumoto. has to watch him die. Yasumoto. Yeah, and and that that sort of gets at the uh, the idea of this this movie, right? Like, I think that this is a movie that's con- that uh, that is cynical about the possibility of of positive change, of systemic change. I think, or I think Redbeard is it's cynical about the current nature of society. Maybe. Yeah, um, I don't know if it holds out a whole lot of hope for change in a on a macro level, on but, a systemic level. Redbeard but sta- himself certainly is. But stalwart, yeah. it's like really stubborn and stalwart about the responsibility of people to carry it out anyway, right? Oh, yeah, right. In, in in spite of that, right. Uh, th- this is sort of a movie in the classical sort of like absurdist sense where it's like it's very um, absurdist. Yes. Yeah, where like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, I agree with you know. Yeah. Um, 
but but uh, about the idea of like a a pointlessness that that is sort of aggressive, right? It's like it's so apparent, like the the meaningless sadness of this suffering, yeah. and yet the in the face of that, the responsibility and um, inherent sort of like uh, validity of taking care of these people as well as possible and treating them as if they uh, they are um, ends in a, in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's well, the Kantian means ends thing. Sorry, that's well, that's fine. I, I was gonna say we so we were we were joking before recording this about the the, the right. Wikipedia the. the I'm, gonna bring, I'm bringing Wikipedia it up. Entry. The 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 Wikipedia has like the the summary paragraph at the very beginning, and the very, the very last sentence is uh, the film looks at the problem of social injustice and explores two of Kurosawa's favorite topics: humanism and existentialism, and then just doesn't favorite provide topics. any sort of further <laughs> explanation of that in the entire right. Wikipedia article, and doesn't like provide any sources for that. It's right, right? Yeah, I mean, but, sure. It, it also is... is you can say that about most any piece of art. You, yeah, you, could. you can analyze any movie under existentialist lens. Like, that's... Yeah. It's one of the critical lenses of media. <laughs> I, I honestly kept thinking... I don't think this is a... I don't think it's a direct reference, but I kept thinking of, of Hamlet, uh, the last poor Yorick. I, you know, hmm. uh, Hamlet staring at Yorick's skull. I definitely... Um, that's, that's maybe my favorite scene in, like, all of literature. And I know Kurosawa, obviously read a lot of Shakespeare. He made film adaptations of Shakespeare's works. Um, but that idea of just, like, staring at this symbol of mortality and, like, being forced to confront it. Right. Um, well, and, and being forced to confront it specifically is, like, a huge thing in this movie, right? Like, yes. we're, we're forced to confront, like, the, maybe, like, the saddest and, and most hopeless circumstances of humanity. It's like, these, yeah. are, these are people who have been forcibly marginalized by society who have no recourse and like what do we do when we're confronted with that like what are what are our responsibilities and like what a like what response should we have to this this absurdity basically this uh well and not just absurdity but like pointed human suffering that is not necessary but is happening and it, uh, it it also much like you know york is kind of like the, the court jester that hamlet remembers from his childhood who bring york brought him much joy much like that i mean his character is set up as someone who works very hard is very helpful to others and yet still is passing away and then suffering um and it, it does kind of build that character up in such a fashion um before kind of is he? Are you picking any of this? You up? Picking me up? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. I'm sorry. I shouldn't look at that. That's no, my that's fault. Fine. Do, we um, need a, do we need to add a point? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, you looked at that, at that but, monitor like you would have just seen a ghost. What I was saying about <laughs> the, the hopelessness. Ghost of my father. The, the, <laughs> help me. You were actually saying something no, here, no, despite no, what's no, going on now. Uh, the the sort of hopelessness of the situation and, and the fact that this movie, I don't think, holds out a lot of hope for systemic change is, like, maybe a little bit disappointing. It's also, like, an important metaphor for the movie because, like, I think that the hopelessness of the situation is part and parcel with the sort of romanticism of Redbeard himself and of what these people are doing. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the fact that this won't change, that they can't save people, that they can only sort of shepherd people, that they, they, they have no hope for changing the circumstances for which it's, it's like symptomatic treatment, right? Like you, like Redbeard's speech about social inequality early on is that like no doctor could ever make it so that poverty doesn't exist. Right. And that people won't suffer and die for no good reason. Um, A lot of these people are in there with diseases that simply wouldn't happen to them if they had resources yeah there's like literally people are, people are dying basically of poorness 
in like a real sense and uh and he can't do anything about that except treat them mm-hmm. and so like this idea that like like we can't make things better but that doesn't mean we shouldn't always try as hard as we can is like important and like I think that that that's an idea worth criticizing, uh, but it it is also an Im- impactful and important one. Um, mm-hmm. I I think it's itself a privileged sort of position. Um, but anyway, that's a whole. Thing. Well, during that during that uh, speech that Redbeard gives about poverty and ignorance, uh, he says that um, literally the problem is deeper than that. If it weren't for poverty, half these people would be wouldn't be sick. Uh, y- Yasumoto like starts to crit- that's in response to Yasumoto's criticism of like this place is funded by the government and you're blaming the government for this and it's sort of that conflicting idea where Redbeard is not operating on an ideological level in many senses he's operating on a very practical one very pragmatic on the ground just speaking about it and then he closes that speech by saying uh, there is always some story of great misfortune behind illness so it again sort of diverts all of that criticism about uh, the systemic issues and sort of how, what led these people to actually being sick with the fact that like whatever led them to it we're we're with them now all we have to do is like help them yeah I, go, I, and that is something that I don't do you know I don't work in like social work or like the nonprofit sector yeah. but like I know people and, and a partner of someone who has worked in that area in the past and if you talk to those people, that is something they always express. Like, individual action is, like, not enough. Like, but it still, it helps people, but it is not actually dealing with a lot of the systemic issues that cause mm-hmm. these problems. And it is, it's like a very existential problem that a lot of those people deal with. Like, am I, like, I am doing something. I can see every day that I am helping people. But like, am I really doing something? Am I just allowing this kind of system to perpetuate and at a certain that's point? that's the pain of it, right? Is that, yeah. like, what am I doing? here like redbeard is doing so much all that he can but at a certain point he has to question if if what he's doing is worthwhile right or, yeah yeah and if like i think there's a corollary there between like the actual like living health of these people and the effectiveness of his work like is all of this going to waste and are these people's lives going to waste or like, are these clearly these people's lives ending and being worsened by illness is a waste and it's completely avoidable on a you know uh, systemic and policy level but at the same time, his efforts to try and correct those things are also a little bit wasted because well, he feel he confronts that. He feels that and still comes out on the side of, I should be doing it anyway. Like, yeah. I'm doing what I can. I have my inroads. I extort politicians for money to cure people. Right. Uh, so it's it's an interesting clash of I- ideologies, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a movie where the sort of invisible assumed society really reigns high over the movie. I mean, at, at one point, maybe my the most affecting... Uh, segment for me is about the the little boy who's stealing rice from the kitchens, oh, uh, which is late in the movie. He develops a relationship, or not a romantic relationship, but a, a friendship with Atoyo, the girl who's rescued from the brothel. Um, and uh, his family decide to poison themselves to death rather than stealing, uh, which was a really like brutal and impactful um, sort of addendum to the the societal sort of uh, pressures that this movie expounds upon Mm -hmm. because it's like like think about like the the ideology that goes into killing yourself rather than stealing well they decide they decide to kill themselves because the young boy they learn that the young boy is a thief and has been stealing and the shame is such that they would rather die than have a thief in their family it's not an escape it's it's partially but mostly not an escape from society from poverty by committing suicide is an escape from the shame of having to deal with 
the fact that they had to do whatever and, they did to survive. Right, which is the shame of poverty, right? Exactly. Which yeah. is which is also like something that this movie makes makes points about, right? Where like like the reason like Yasumoto is disgusted by the people that he sees early on because like there's as in contemporary society, there's a stigma associated with poverty, right? Where like there's this idea that it it must be symbolic of uh, a moral failure of some kind or a character flaw. Um, it, it not yeah, it, it is it is that, but it is also reflecting the person who is not in poverty their own kind of moral superiority superiority but also their moral conflict i think everybody does feel a conflict when they see someone worse off i don't think that's true but i hope so i i would argue that their their kind of arrogance or their hatred towards the poor is often a reflection of that um maybe subconsciously yeah sure um I mean, yeah but i think that's maybe a yeah, a, this is a big a conversation deep. to have. Uh, it yeah, is. Ignorance and poverty, y'all. Ignorance and poverty. We, we didn't talk about this. Would be a good double feature with shoplifters. Actually, absolutely. This would be a wonderful I double feature. I uh, would not be able to stand up after watching both of those oh, movies back to back. I would be I can't flat stand up in a pool just, of my own tears. Yeah, shoplifters. Um, Everybody, if you haven't seen shoplifters, that is an official yeah. trial of recommendation. Yes, right. It's uh, Hirokazu Koreeda. It came out uh, in 2018. It won the Canes Film Festival. Um, I think it's, it's maybe. It was, it was, it was, it was I common. was going to let it slip. You Whatever. said, you Fuck said you Cavill. Uh, it's maybe I did my... say Cavill, but that's not, on this po- that's not recorded. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Nothing we pronounce is correct. Aaron called Continue. him Henry Cavill, like the barber of okay. Cavill. Do we want to... Br- <laughs> I, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, you can bring it up. Go for it. Or do we want to continue what we were talking about? I can be your Cavill or we can go be back your to angle. So one of the oh, things of this movie is this was the last uh, uh, collaboration between uh, Kurosawa and Mifune. Uh, for this film, uh, they kind of got into a spat. Uh, and one of the reasons listed was that um, Fune, you know, he is red beard. He had to grow out a beard for this movie, and he does have kind of a, a pretty badass looking beard that he's often kind it's of It's a great beard. With, um, in this cool manner. Uh, and supposedly, because he was growing out this beard, he was not able to work on other films for the like two year shooting mm. cycle of this film. Um, so he got kind of pissed because he just wasn't able to work on other projects. Can you which, imagine like, Toshiro Mifune actually being mad at you as a human? Like, oh I've seen him mad in movies, but, like, I, I I don't think I've seen him anywhere except on screen in a film, and I just don't know what it would be like to encounter that man and know that he is I would not that want he is him angry mad. with you. I, I would crumble. So the reason I brought this up earlier is I was the, the modern-day version of this is uh, Henry... Cavill, Cavill, yeah, Henry Cavill, uh, the the mustache debacle for uh, Mission Impossible, uh, Fallout. Which, hey, that's another trial of recommended movie, right? I really like that. Yeah, movie. Good. okay, that was fun. good film. Uh, but he had a mustache for that movie, and then there was the CGI for uh, which movie was that? For? Justice League. I think. Justice yeah. League. It, it looked awful. I did see Justice League. Did you see the mustache scenes? Uh, I did. The CGI. He's got a weirdly sized scenes. upper lip. Upper lip. <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is, I would have liked to seen Mufune what? with a CGI'd oh, out uh, beard in all of his movies. Anyway, that was my aside yeah, for this. Let's wow. scope Redbeard's beard <laughs> that off, was worth y'all. It. That was worth it, man. <laughs> uh, I I want to talk about um, yeah. the scene with the mantis. The setup is that uh, uh, yeah, this is early in the movie. There is a ca- uh, one character who is and. Don't stop me, but correct me when I'm done. There is uh, a woman who has been convicted of stabbing several men that she's seduced. Uh, it is implied and actually, I think, stated that she has some form of um, – I'm not going to be able to do this very sensitively, but some form of a mental illness. That's that's the movie's own terminology. Okay. That she, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty problematic plot point. Um, it is. It, it results in a really, really, really compelling like climactic scene in which uh, – Yasumoto, 
Did I say it? Uh, That's is right. That his name. Yep, yep. Yasumoto, uh, she basically, she's sort of kept in a shack of her own uh, because her benefactor. Away from the rest of the clinic. Her, is it her husband? It's her father. Her father uh, paid for this separate section of the clinic, and she has one uh, handmaiden who comes and helps her and treats her. And But she's basically, she's segmented from the rest of the group. Onaka is the name of the uh, handmaiden. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and she is kept away, but there's one instance a third of the way through the movie maybe where she uh, for lack of a better term she escapes she is on the loose Onaka comes in and says just there's a panic everybody's flies out of the room and um, Yasumoto keep going looking at me in weird ways Yasumoto I love uh, this part. sort of just slumps back into his room He's this is a point at which he's still kind of a shit butt about mm-hmm. everything he's a total shit yeah, yeah. shit butt uh, indeed shit butt and who should come through the door to this room that's empty but for Yasumoto but uh, the Mantis, this – I'm forgetting that char- – the character's actual name. The character is only ever referred to as the Mantis, I oh, believe. Oh, that'd be why I don't remember. Which, again, kind of sucks. A little problematic, yeah. Uh, the, the actress is Kyoko Kaga, uh, Kagawa, excuse me, okay. um, who is a uh, quite prominent and famous Japanese actress. Okay. Um, she does – it is a really, she's really amazing. good performance yeah. in this strange, conflicting role. Uh, but that scene between them uh, follows – that follows is um, – where she is sort of describing her past traumas to him and sort of what led her to these things. And then it's there are brutal traumas that are very d- tough to listen to. Very personal that she just sort of involving to uh, him. repeated sexual abuse by multiple parties. It is. Uh, it's I'll pretty put, rough. We'll put content. There will on be. This. Uh, but Yasumoto, I think during several times during that scene, he's like, it's OK. You can tell me I'm a doctor. Yeah. Suddenly, he's morbidly interested in this woman's story and, and in her always had health. been ever since her introduction. They do like the classic. Uh, there's that Twilight Zone episode about the devil being locked in this uh, room. It's a good episode, in my opinion. Um, uh, but yeah, like like they basically they you see her her shack and you can see her hanging out of the bars trying to escape. And like from that moment, it's like this temptation, right? This it's femme like, fatale. I deal. thought I thought that he was going to literally release her. He doesn't, but she gets out on her own, and mm-hmm. then she comes to him and she says, "Like I can't trust doctors who are in uniforms," which is like one of the early uh, right. signifiers. And she proceeds. Spoiler alert: She proceeds to have. Uh, she pulls out her hairpin and is going to stab him. And which actually, is the thing. Like they they keep her locked away because. What she does is she tries to seduce men so that she can kill them with her hairpin matador style. Uh, <laughs> Instead of just not giving her hairpins, I guess. Or something, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, good wise. point. Just yeah. don't give her a hairpin. Well, okay. like, hairpins. She'll find other means of killing people. Like, I don't think the hairpin is the, point. the important part yeah, of the, the, I agree. the motivating factor. Uh, but yeah, basically her her traumas have have conditioned this behavior where she will attempt to seduce and then murder men. Right. That's why she's called the Mantis. That's her, her whole character, unfortunately. It yeah. More, I mean, unless I'm not reading something that was there or I didn't pick up on anything, it more or less is her whole character. But yeah. that scene to me, I still remember specifically because it is excruciatingly long. Yeah. If I remember one take. I think it might be one take. Yeah. And yeah. it is staged in the most beautiful fucking Akira Kurosawa way where there's a single candle on about a three foot high pedestal. Casting long shadows. Se- separating them. And the whole and the camera starts to move like as she gets closer to the wall and she's cowering sort of like. They start moving her. closer together. They start yeah. moving. He, he starts like encroaching upon this border between the two where she's moved farther uh, camera right and he's moving alongside but the candle is still in the same spot and it's just this 
Oh my god. Can I talk about the yes. I, I, the it might be the shot before that. I don't I think there was a cut before the shot that you mm-hmm. just described which was basically the entire scene. Um but um you know a couple of the other nurses come by the room, you know Yasumoto's laying on the floor being um stubborn and I, I think a couple nurses pass through that doorway which is kind of set up on the right side and they say you know oh you know, the mantis is out or, or right. however they say it uh they exit to the left of that doorway and about 10 15 seconds later it's silent and from that same side from the left side of the doorway the mantis just kind of like comes about into the Slides frame in. this movie um is like at various times so many different things or could be so many different things um like a, a straight up hospital drama an ensemble slapstick comedy uh and for this scene like it is a straight horror movie like the shot of yeah. the mantis coming into frame is just so um like startling and horrific yeah. in a great way just because this character has been built up so, so much. it's incredibly Subdued. tense yeah it's yeah. just really yeah. well done um, um i think i'm gonna make part of that scene i think the shots that you're thinking of uh the the twitter image that we use for this oh, because nice. holy sure. shit i like where he's laying there and he's reclined and his foot's like he's got his legs crossed yeah. and there's the candle but then you realize that the candle's way closer to the camera than you thought it was it's yeah. just we have so a twitter good. now maybe we should shout <laughs> we've that had out a twitter. I don't at try love podcast oh yeah we'll, we'll we will have had that we'll for a long time by the time this episode comes out never <laughs> this mind is like all right June. ignore me <laughs> there uh, sorry there are a few other things that i want to um mention about this scene um, yeah. specifically the the shot where um he is He's laying down, his outstretched legs are, oh, you're good, hanging out, like, above that, like, three-foot-tall table, and then his head is very distinctly below the level of the table. That same shot is used um, in a similar shot anyways, used later once he falls ill. Um, It's kind of like on the other side where uh, he's, I, I think all of his body is beneath the table, but the important thing is, like, his head is beneath, he's sick, um... And it's just like this interesting book ending of he is, I guess, pragmatically, he's thinking one way about his work and this clinic, and then he's completely on the other side of, of the table now. He he's, is. He's taking that pain on, and he's sick because oh, of it. Oh, I was just about to say the same thing. He sort oh, of sorry. absorbed it. Well, I mean, yeah. you said it better than I could. He sort of absorbed these uh, stories and these like harsh realities of his duty as a healthcare practitioner i guess it's it is i didn't pick up on that while we were watching it this is why this is why we podcast yeah (laughs) this is why we do it yeah that's awesome um and to bring it back to i think um some of the more important components of that scene and the character of the mantis and the trauma she's going through um one thing i noticed just about how yasumoto is trying to get information from her he's more or less demanding uh that Mm -hmm. information he's like kind of saying it you know i'm a doctor uh but he's saying, like, tell me everything. He says yeah, that multiple he, times. He is, he is self-interested, right? Like, right, exactly. It is, I think it that's is a... juxtaposed with Redbeard's uh, totally, ability yes. to show empathy and sympathy for his patients. Which is also it, interestingly characterized as a, as a certain kind of um, distancing or, like, yeah. a, a certain kind of, uh, of lack of interest. Where, like, like, it's revealed that Yasumoto's interest in her backstory, in, in how she became this way, is for his own purposes. It's lurid, it's for, definitely. It's for diagnosis, uh, diagnostic purposes, whereas um, Redbeard, uh, especially by juxtaposition, comes off as, like, like, fundamentally disinterested in what 
in what happened to her. In fact, he like brushes it off, sort of uh, brusquely. Uh, it's it's not great, uh, but it's it's in keeping with his character. Where yeah, it's like yeah. Many women have gone through the same thing, and none of them turned into murderers. So yeah. she must have just been born with it. He's a rough, like, shitty person. At right. the time, sucks, but it does. I think the movie, and and this is maybe. Uh, a good faith reading. This is a very good yeah, faith very reading. Good faith. <laughs> yeah. I think the movie maybe justifies it because it, it ends up coming around to the point where it's like, oh no, like like being uninterested in the circumstances and non judgmental in that way is is a form of respect in in a certain context mm. where like Redbeard is not interested in why she is this way. He is just interested in helping her, maybe on her own, yeah. not on her own terms, unfortunately, uh, because he locks her up. But yeah. um, maybe a better example would not better, but an alternative example would be Rok- Roksuke's daughter um, when she's kind of giving forth information and she hits a patch where she's just having a really tough time. I think Redbeard says basically just like you don't need to go any further or like that's enough. Which uh, as a, as opposed to demanding, you yeah, know, it's, being it's, self-serving. Uh, it's it's impactful. It does it does represent the sort of fundamental divide in this movie between um what makes it a humanist movie versus what makes it a, a movie um fundamentally interested in social inequality and uh in speaking to those terms like i don't think that this movie has a lot to say about the circumstances which create poverty Hmm. perhaps unfortunately i mean like we do see the excess of the ruling class but i don't i don't think we see a lot of direct examples of how the ruling class or the inequalities of society are directly impacting and perpetuating poverty i think there might be a lot of cultural context that that i I specifically might be missing yeah Yeah. I, i think you're right though i think it's not I would argue that it's not focused on that. Yeah, it's not and a this movie is, about this is that me being right. I don't. I don't think that this movie really demonstrates how poverty is created, which is sort yeah. of frustrating because it, it holds out the idea that that poverty might happen because of a meritocracy, mm. um, which well, is something that like I I like to see people fight against. I don't know. It's I, I think I think the only like evidence that I can cite in argument to that is that again that Redbeard's monologue about yep, poverty. There's and always a great story, which is a good point of contention. Where he he is directly linking the concept of, you know, uh, 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 excess and the ruling class with poverty and illness. But is he? I don't know. I mean like I think that, that unfortunately I think that there is a great story behind all poverty is not the same thing as saying uh, your ruling class has created this system oh, of poverty. I think I think it very explicitly says the latter. I'm I'm when? yeah. Well, I'm referencing uh, exactly the line. Yeah, he, I mean, there's the big uh, speech. Poverty is a political problem, they say. But what has politics ever done for the poor? Has a law been passed to get rid of poverty and ignorance? And then Yasumoto says, "But this place, the government funds." He says, "Better than not, better this than nothing." The problem is deeper than that. If it weren't for poverty, half these people wouldn't be sick. That's what I'm referencing when I say that I think he's linking <sighs> those two things. It doesn't really. Illustrate those. I don't more think like it fully draws the connection. There. I mean, this might be just my political ass drawing that from the movie, but I I took that for sure. I wanted to. I mean, but I, I, I just don't know if I don't know if it if it demonstrates like I think it, it says poverty exists and it sucks and it sucks that the government is not doing more about it, but it doesn't say the the government is. I mean, it, responsible. I, I think it comes back to that scene with the rich you know, I don't know, magistrate. Uh, the guy, the the the, the rich, the eating. rich guy, yeah, <laughs> the you. big boy who was eating. I mean, I, 
I think there's something there for sure. Um, but you can't. I'm sorry. That's that's not it fair. It might but, be like, meeting the movie three quarters the, of the way. I think so. I think that like I think that the reason we can't articulate the line that it draws is because it doesn't draw that line. Well. What is missing? What points, is missing that you would like to be there? I, I would like. I would like. And again, like I don't want to say what I want from a movie, right? I don't want to well, play our sure. But like I don't think that movie. this movie makes a, the point that society isn't equal because a ruling class is perpetuating cycles of poverty maliciously. I think that it says poverty exists and that's bad and there's nothing we can do about it except for help people in this way. Um, I, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, the, the, pointedly, the only person who has any sort of wealth that he treats is someone who's only medically... He makes a point to say, you're not actually sick. You've just been eating too much. You've just been you have had too easy of a life. I mean, I think that juxtaposed versus other characters who are who are sick because they are poor, because they are in poverty, for the most part. Um, I think that's very that seems very intentional to me. Oh, well, of course it is, but it's but it's about making Redbeard a good person and about I, how uh, Noburo can become a good person. It's not saying that they have a duty to do this because of the way that they've benefited from their privilege. I, I don't think the movie is is telling the the lower classes to rise up and kill their oppressors. Um, I, I yeah, I don't even think that it's putting it's putting the onus of responsibility on the upper class for mm. for poverty. I think that I think pover- it, I think poverty is like a weird thing. I mean, he even says they say poverty is a political problem, but but it's deeper than that. Like he says that. And like, what? And you you juxtapose that with the, him saying that oh, like uh, the mantis had trauma, but everybody had trauma, and it didn't work out for them the same way that it worked out for her. He, he also says that society puts many women in this place, right? He says right. that that is a societal issue. It is not just an issue with her. Many women have gone through what she did, but um, they didn't turn out like her. Uh, that's a. I think those are two separate. I think that's the line that I'm referring to is afterwards uh, when they're talking. He seems to say to me that we don't know why the Mantis is the way she is because people have gone through the same trauma that she has and they didn't all turn out to be like her. So Therefore, yeah, I can't tell whether we're talking about the same line and okay. I think, or whether it, I think the problem is that they're lines, both in the same be. movie. Like that, these ideas are all there. Like the endpoints yeah. are are uh, demarcated. But there's no connective tissue. Anyway, there's no A to B to C. Yeah, well, maybe I maybe I should yeah. be more explicit and like maybe this is a hangup that I have. I I have an issue with humanist movies like this because I don't like the idea that like there are exceptional people and like this is the way towards exceptionalism hmm. is helping people this way. I want to see a movie that's more concerned with the I don't know the the duties. Like I think that that there is. I think that that uh, Redbeard and uh, Noburo should be more like complicit in the undermining the systems that they that benefited them. I don't know. I hmm. like. I really think that this movie goes. It, it obfuscates the causes of poverty on purpose in it, order to demonstrate how these people are good instead of like. Well, I think it. I think it. Not to cut you off. Even no, I'm I just sorry. Did that. Go ahead. Like I think it. It absolutely does it. Like shoulders. Uh, it's, 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 it shrugs that responsibility to like uh, to paint that picture in favor of just showing the bigness of the problem of illness. You know, like again, it's that's the end well, and point. It, it wants to. I think that that for this movie it works because like it wants illness and poverty to be a metaphor for like 
inescapable inequality and like mm-hmm. in like unavoidable uh trauma and and like the the absurdity of being alive right yeah. like it it wants to create a world in which poverty is this inescapable thing this this thing that will always exist that nobody has the agency to overcome and so because that thing is unavoidable like it makes it like what what is our response to that and like how do we live meaningful lives under that mm-hmm. and redbeard's answer to that is like well we have to treat these people as ends in and of themselves regardless because that is the way toward a good life right i think yeah i think i think i disagree um i I do agree with you that i do i am very critical of humanist movies like this and i think you know i haven't seen every episode of er house or whatever but but one issue i have with a lot of those shows specifically the house that i did watch when i was younger is that every episode of house was essentially like this little puzzle it's like what's wrong with this person What's what's the secret that House is going to figure out? It's like, oh, the pills were mislabeled, or the candle had something that she was allergic to that were burning in her room. And it's like, oh, that that problem is solved, right? And like every episode was this little serialized issue that is solved by the end of the you episode. You could have just said Scrubs. I, I, honestly, I haven't seen Scrubs in a while either. Scrubs might be the same thing. Although might be I a think Scrubs show by now. I've I only saw watched it as a kid. Yeah, um, it doesn't age super well. So I, I was just comparing this. I, I do think this movie kind of takes aim at the upper class a fair amount. Um, I don't think it's maybe as explicit maybe as it should be, um, but I think this this movie kind of sucks without those elements in it. Um, I think if it's just a peer, uh, series of vignettes, um, it's just you know kind of uh, okay. Here's patient of the week. What's their issue? Okay, what is what does the main character learn about because of this? Um, I think this movie does kind of suck, but I think there's enough here. Um, I mean, there is a there is a class politic, and it is it is critical of the upper class, and it is uh, defending the lower class. Certainly, what the missing link for me is the idea that inequality is created by a ruling class. I don't think that the movie ever makes that point. When, I mean, like, like I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't want to, but like, I really don't like if you can't provide like, like every every rich character in this movie is either uh, again, you know just wallowing in excess or being tricked out of their money or a tool for Redbeard to help out those under his care. I mean, there's not a single uh, rich character that is viewed favorably. That's not true, and I, I don't think that that's in and of itself sufficient to establish the link that I'm talking about. But uh, sorry, I don't want to be combative. Uh, yeah. Noburo's dad you're, is fine. Um, <laughs> and uh, Noburo's... Uh, later wife, their family is is considered favorably, and Redbeard himself is considered favorably. Yeah, I mean the decision at the end of the movie that he makes is he decides not to pursue this kind of this easy path laid out for him in order to stay at Redbeard's the glory and, and, the, yeah. and help out people. Which again, that's not a that's yeah. I mean, I think I think you do have something that is not a societal um, point about wealth and, and inequality that is a personal decision that he does make um which is yeah i uh you know i mean like maybe i'm i'm bristling because uh it's it's something that i really like like rejecting i really i really hate uh like neoliberal exceptionalism sure. that just, go fund me here's yeah well how it, much it we raise for this person it includes charity or or uh morality as like another means of establishing your exceptionalism can i bring up uh uh oh 
keep keep talking for one more and second. Like, yeah, I, I wonder how much this movie is like. Look, like these people are great because they help others, and that's what makes them better. Again, yeah. and, it, and it's like that's that's sort of fundamentally still working within the same system mm-hmm. of like, oh, there is a there is a meritocracy at work within human existence. It's just that it includes morality as like another facet of right. that meritocracy. I I won't say that I picked up on that while watching it. I will say that the movie has that flavor overall, like it's, as a holistic work. Well, and like I don't think it's necessarily making that point. I just think it's frustrating that it doesn't do more. That it doesn't to unpack reject that. it. Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every, every work should do more to unpack that kind of stuff. Absolutely. These are yeah, yeah, be killing unfair. fascists. Yeah. Uh, so I was gonna maybe this is like a little like head ass for this, but I was gonna bring up earlier when we were talking about like uh, you know kind of individual actions helping the sick uh, that, that Noam Chomsky. Uh, uh, has argued that like charity specifically in like the United States of America, capitalist systems, basically the only thing it does is to kind of like help bandage over wounds that have a much deeper root cause to them. That it kind of makes everybody feel okay with the inequalities because it is a very easy, Ooh. actionable, like yeah, funded this, way to help out. Oh, I, w- I was thinking without about this specifically. Yeah, yeah. this um, is a, it's not head ass. Thank you. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> this is a different lens, but corollaries there to white guilt. Why are like, what is the purpose of white guilt except to, like, soothe white guilt, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, sure. I don't know. It's, it's something that's been on my mind a lot. Yeah, so it does, I don't know. Maybe this does fit into just that whole... I think so. I mean, like, that, that whole speech is about how poverty is, like, this inescapable, unknowable thing, and therefore, like, the bandaging is the best we can do. I, I don't like agree with that. I think he does specifically say poverty is caused. I think so. I think he also says there's nothing we can do about it. There's maybe nothing he can do about it. I think there's something yeah. we can do about and it. And so, like, the bandage becomes the best we can do. And, like, yeah. this movie is about how the bandage is so important. Which, like, maybe... I'm, I'm sure it is. Like, I'm not I'm not saying... Yeah. And, like, what do I do, right? Like, fuck me. Like, I'm just a guy. Like, I don't... Make a, you're a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. You are the most yeah. important thing you can be in this world. You have a platform. A but, but it's just, like, I... There's this... this fundamental sort of and this is maybe me being uh eurocentric i'm sorry if i'm talking too much or or american centric but like there's this fundamental idea that like like the reason that poverty exists or like the reason why some people flourish while some people suffer is because of something about those people right Hmm. like it's it's puritanical right like the puritans honestly believe that if you were rich god was rewarding you and if you were poor god was punishing you and there's something to that right like even in contemporary america it's like if you're poor it must be because of a character flaw or because of uh, you know, the marshmallow test or what what have you, your inability to seek uh, delayed gratification. And, like, in that system, you can introduce morality as a, uh, a pointer, a signifier of greatness, like uh, Noburo or ni- like Redbeard. It's like, oh, like, the reason these people are great and the reason they're successful is in part because of their ability to sympathize and empathize with these people without disrupting that system. But right? I don't think it says that the reason that those patients are sick is because... I, I do agree with I agree. that. Yep. But I, think I don't this think... Is the be- this is the right argument in favor of Redbeard. I'm yeah, sorry. I don't, Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I don't think there's... It's a long movie, so there might be something in there, but I don't think there's a situation where someone is sick because they are bad people would because of their own decisions. Right. I don't it's, think it's it always is. Beca- it's always because of the absurdity of life, right? Like it's, it's always, He says there's a great story behind every misfortune. It's, yeah. it's not there's that they're bad misfortune people. misfortune behind every illness. 
there's some story of great misfortune, right? Isn't that? And like in every in every circumstance, the reason people got here is because of like this winding, crazy road that they yeah. went down. Um, and and I think that there's something there, right? Like it's saying that like the reasons why people get into circumstances are because of powers outside of their control, not because of who they are as people. Yeah, and it does show that with the main Absolutely. character having mm-hmm. the ability to kind of use nepotism to achieve a, a higher status, which again, eventually at the end, he does kind of choose his own He rejects, path. yeah. Um, should we talk about the last third of this movie? We uh, haven't talked about we, that We at haven't all. really at all talked about I'm forgetting the character's name the, the centerpiece of the movie. The, the young woman. Who died, no, the guy who died. Sahachi? Sahachi. Oh, yes. We only barely touched on that scene. We don't need to go way into depth about it, but it's, it is sort of one of those great misfortune the story of great misfortune behind his illness kind of thing sure totally and i think his story um that middle chunk of the movie where it's um you know like inceptioned flashbacks uh one there's a the flashback other. within a flashback at one point you got really yeah. excited about that when yeah. we were watching <laughs> um i i was watching that and i was kind of thinking just like why are why are we watching this right now what is the purpose of this and the first thing i thought of was um like i got thinking about Sugawa at the beginning of the movie you know we're taking this tour of the clinic and we open up door after door and we see these these patients who are you know they're they're so poor they may as well be dead you know these are the scum of the earth they're dying and it like paints them as not people um whereas Sahachi's story is like rich and you know it's humanistic movie it's complex yeah it's like this is the story of this human Mm -hmm. and this is his kind of swan song before he you know he passes on it's it's a devastating story like it's very well told it takes up a whole lot of time it's like a full 25 minutes or something yeah this is this is such a, a movie that like uh in in if it was made today it would be a like a prestige miniseries mm-hmm. that's how it feels I think that's it feels like that's something about, that he yeah. would want it to be whereas it was like oh this is just like how i can tell this story now yeah and so it's like it's a series of vignettes more than it is a one interconnected plot and it's sort of all not revolves around but it yeah. all it, like that is the seminal scene is is well, set of scenes i guess that whole arc with set Sahachi? Sahachi. Sahachi, he, his, that's his wife. Uh, there's the avalanche, the earthquake, and yeah. his wife's skeleton kind of... Uh, a landslide, I believe. It's a landslide. Um, yeah, I am starting to think that maybe the class criticism of this movie maybe are kind of a, a I don't know, maybe a Western... I, I do think there's maybe something here with the idea of family and, like, every single character has... Um, certain family dynamics that are that are weighing on their situation. Yeah. Um, so in, in that story of Sahachi, is it? Um, his to, to sum it up very shortly, he basically tells the story of how his wife um, ended up. Uh, he married his wife, and then his wife was supposed to be married to this other man, and she eventually ended up committing suicide because she cannot deal with the shame of disappointing her family. Um, and that is, I mean, one of quite a few stories in this film that are based around the idea of family and familial obligation yeah and and so maybe i'm thinking that there is quite a bit of depth there that maybe i just didn't pick up while watching the film Mm -hmm. that's Um, fair and me as well probably i'm sure i mean i'm looking at this with a certain lens a a restrictive lens though i'm like i am a a white straight dude watching this in 2019 um yeah for sure but i just wanted to bring that up i just like to point out my privilege whenever possible (laughs) that's fine we're all 
four straight white guys. Podcasters. Yeah, podcast um, so you wanted to talk about the last third of this movie in which uh, – I think that, probably should, the yeah. Whole, the whole plot – I feel like there's a lot to talk about there. We've already hit an hour yeah, and almost Yeah, we're, we're running out of time. Yeah. We can it, edit a bunch of stuff out. Just cut out all of my shit. Okay. I should silence good. Harry's track. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not going to work completely because you're being picked up on the rest of our microphones. Oh, no. So, mm, Damn. We can't remove you entirely. Your digital put. Are we going to talk about the Yakuza sub-story? Oh, my fucking God. In this movie? <laughs> I, want, I, I knew that we had to pull, bring up that scene where, Fuck yeah, dude. where Toshiro Mifune just goes full Toshiro goes Mifune. Ham, like, he's like an old farty potato man, and he still whips shit. Yeah, uh, it's, it's at the brothel, right? Like... Uh, he he goes to take this girl from the brothel. Uh, it's it's like this really good classic plot line where it's like she's sick, and so that gives him the excuse that he needs. He's like, no, I'm a doctor, and she's sick, therefore I can take her out of this place. <laughs> she's twelve years old. Right? She yeah, she's it's terrible. very young. She's being exploited. By she's being the, beaten and whipped. Yeah, right. Her yep. uh, her robes are tattered and torn. Right? Uh, but anyway, a bunch of pimps come from next door to try to stop him. And he has lots of really badass lines, like, careful, a bad doctor could kill you, which <laughs> fucking rules. And then he just goes ham using, like, Aikido on these dudes and just, like, like he, he whips, like, 12 greatest. pimps with, like, <laughs> like Yakuza stances and, like, takes them all down. It rules. It's and like a Yojimbo scene in the middle of this and, movie. And that, after that, they have him walk through the battlefield and just, like, comment on people's states of being. And yeah, then, he's like, oh, this and is then terrible. he resets a guy's shoulder by punching it again. <laughs> it didn't need to be in the movie either. No, you could tell I'm very just, glad like, kind it was. Of, it's like, oh, we got Mifune. But it we was just like, let yeah. him beat the shit out of a bunch yeah. of people. But you had you this know? really, like, uh, closing out that second act and just before the intermission, you had that, like, really dark dive of, like, are they going to be able to get this girl out? They're trying to remove her from a bad situation. Excuse me, bad situation. And just before the intermission, just this full ass Yojimbo scene of him taking on thirty like, guys and winning. This makes me a terrible hypocrite, but like, it's like my favorite trope of like, oh, your like virtue directly translates to fighting strength. Like <laughs> the reason why Redbeard can do this is because of what a virtuous man he is. He's quite like, exceptional. Like the, I, I bet yeah. he's seen some it's, shit. It's, you such know what a, I mean? it's such an era. Aristotle is like the virtuous man is also a fucking ass kicker. Like, <laughs> let's go. Like, it's, uh, he he doesn't say anything about the uh, the Hippocratic oath, but I really wanted him to to be like <laughs> the Hippocratic oath isn't the only thing I'll be breaking. <laughs> Something like it's just a the great path scene of the righteous man. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, uh, do we have much to say about the? the there's third the well act. scene. That is that is beautiful. Which I, is like a, also a, a really good denouement on like the whole themes of the movie. I mm-hmm. feel like is I'm shouting into the well, just like what can we do to like like literally like there's uh, should we frame it? Do you want me to? Yeah, you're better at it. You're good at. Framing. I don't know any of the characters' names. I feel like I'm just gonna mess up. The uh, boy, the girl, red beard, the rat. Yes, the girl's name is Atoyo. I don't know Atoyo? the name. So Atoyo is the girl that is rescued from the brothel. Um, she is uh, kind of nurse to health uh, by the main character and then the main character falls sick and she kind of helps him uh, in turn some nice thematic stuff happening there Um, and then later in the movie there is a young boy that I think we alluded to earlier who is 
um, kind of stealing rice kind of at night or kind of later in the day. Um, he comes by and he, like, jumps on the roof and he, like, lowers a bucket down. Another like, great scene. Really yeah. cool heist style into the rice and then uh, picks it up. And it's, it's kind of been hinted that they've caught him doing that a number of times, and he's referred to as the rat. Yeah, he's like a he's like a staple of this hospital. Is like this this kid who's poking around and stealing shit. Yeah, and all of the uh, all of the kind of the female like maids and such in the hospital just like hate this dude and gossip about him and like oh the the rat's stealing. He's over there trying to catch him. Um, Otoya eventually strikes up a yes friendship with him in the field. Uh, I, I don't need to go through the exact plot. But and they, we already talked about this get, is the same kid who eventually their family poisons themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that night, uh, his two older brothers die, but he's going to maybe make it through. And so they have this, like, dark night of the soul where, like, he's dying and, like, maybe going to pass away. And everyone is doing everything they can to make sure that this doesn't happen. Um, and it, it sort of culminates with all of the women who did despise him. Yes. Um, now are just, like beside themselves that that, that he might pass on yes yeah. and they literally like they go to a well and they shout down into it they shout his name it's a superstition it sucks that yeah. yeah but the idea is that that the well is a direct tie to the underworld and if you shout you can bring his soul back mm-hmm. because he'll hear you shouting and he'll come back and like what a great metaphor for like the entire point of the the movie where mm-hmm. it's like like life is like this well shit i can't believe i just said life is like this uh we live in a society <laughs> <laughs> Exact. That's what this movie is. We live in a society. Um, but but like this idea that like there is no response, right? Like like who knows what's on the other side of that well? Mm-hmm. But like shouting down into it does something, even if it's nothing, right? Like even if it's absurd to think that that we could have any effect on this because the people who are going to die are going to die. But like it's still there's something worthwhile about about the process of yelling and mm-hmm. like what are what are redbeard and uh noboro and all of them doing except for yelling into the well right it's like the whole it's it's great yeah. it's a really fantastic and scene. so the the specific shot is filmed from inside of the well and it it is looking up at all of these women kind of yelling into the well then it pans down kind of over the bricks and then eventually the camera is pointed at the water at and the it's showing the reflection still water and completely then just still. one and it's showing the reflection of everybody up above. Um, and I don't know how they... You can't see a camera. I don't know how they did it. Neither um, did Roger either. I was completely perplexed watching it. Beautiful shot, though. Yes. Movie magic. Movie magic. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you magic know, I mean, like, like, maybe we create systems of inequality so that we can feel good about fighting against them. Ooh, who, uh, that's yeah. uh, episode two of Red Beard. I, I mean, Next we already time. talked about it in, in Blue Velvet a bit, right? Yeah. And, like, that's the central to my, my criticisms of that idea of humanism. There's some like, parallels there. If you, yeah. if you live under a system that invents inequality, then your attempts to to uh, be charitable in order to feel good about yourself are just another means of your exploiting people for we your own purposes. talked about that with the Elephant Man. That too, yeah. Elephant Man I, I think that. David Lynch has a lot of that as a through line through if his If you did words. The Elephant Man, this film, Blue Velvet, ties into the Mantis portion as well, and Shoplifters. You would go home very sad. Uh, you wouldn't yeah. go also, home. Also, yeah, you yeah, wouldn't go home. Is. you just kind of slump away in the movie theater. <laughs> you would die sometime it. through the third movie. Yeah. I mean, we're all going to die eventually, right? Like, That's right. Ooh, hot take. Oh, point is a team fight against it. Is that all I... That's I don't everything I had to say. You know what? I actually uh, I came into this thinking I would have nothing to say, and I think we uh, we uh, kind of dug up a lot of the well. I just no notes nice. and ended up speaking. As always, I became angry and made this about me. <laughs> it got uh, a little too close to um, the mic. One of the final images of yeah. this movie was Redbeard being the best man at uh, Yasumoto's wedding, which was 
really amazing. Yeah. Was an amazing so wedding. It, it uh, does the great thing where like you don't even realize how endeared you are to these characters, and then two hours and thirty minutes in, Redbeard is the best man at uh, Noboro's wedding, and you are beside yourself about uh, it. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're kind of bros at the end of the it's movie. It's so man. great. It's yeah, a good bromance. It's yeah, it's great. It's unfortunate. Was there Were there any uh, Kurosawa movies with Mifune before this where he was like the old farty guy? Because that is just such a role I want to see more of him in. Like that sort of teddy bear. Stray Dog. Stray Dog's I feel like Stray Dog was way earlier. Stray Dog's way earlier, but isn't Stray Dog about an no, older... No, he, he uh, plays a young, hot-headed detective in that, I believe. Pretty much I don't opposite. know if he's hot-headed. I shouldn't say that. I oh, okay. I thought he played the older detective. That I think... Oh, I don't... Hey, we're going to see that and probably yeah, talk about it. Yeah, it's great. I'm so sorry. if this is wrong, just edit it. Just cut Beep. it out. I like how Jason has about 16 hours of work to do to make this mm-hmm. somewhat listenable. You know what I did last time? I realized that in our Wanda episode, I read like half of my social security number on mic. Did <laughs> yeah, you really? Did. The then, first three and digits, I and then I, out. Yeah. I specifically say, hey, those are the numbers you're not supposed to tell people. <laughs> we say you can like say the last times. four. That's wild. So I downloaded a beep sound from YouTube and put it over. It's there. not in can one of us right now. No, it's not, it's not in the version you guys have. Can okay. one of us just say beep and that'll be the beep in the future? No. Uh, yes, my number. Let's test it now. Okay. Mics are hot. My social security number is one six one nine eight three nine six four. So that actually. Thanks for listening <laughs> to Try Love, everybody. I'm Jason. I'm Cody. I'm Harry. And I'm Aaron. We will be back next time with probably more Kurosawa. Playing a lot of Kurosawa. And Shiro Bayfune. Cut it.